Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And we are in week three of Lent, and we are in our first week of quarantine. <laughs> and can we just talk about this for a second? Is this not a crazy time? Um, you know, it was just a week ago, I think I was telling somebody, you know, I haven't really thought about the coronavirus that much, it hasn't really hit home. I've read about it, and I, and I, and I know that it's a big deal, but it just hasn't hit me. I haven't, don't know anybody that has it and whatever. And then less than a week later, it's hit me. Um, you know, now we're on lockdown. I don't know how it is where you're living, but basically there's just nothing going on in LA. Nothing's open. Um, you know, we have, we, we can go to the grocery store, but you can only go in about 10 or 15 at a time, which actually I kind of like that little thing. But, um, you know, it was pretty ominous. I went over to the grocery store today and it was pretty, you know, strange to walk up and down these aisles and just see absolutely nothing on the shelves. And, you know, it's just such a strange, unsettling feeling. You could feel the tension in the air. You can feel the anxiety that people have, the panic that has set in. And, you know, in addition to that, there's, um, you know, all the changes that come with that, the kids that are home from school, and of course, you're trying to work from home, and here in LA, it's raining, it's supposed to rain all week, so we're all kind of stuck inside, um, and you know, that's on top of regular life, we, I know our next door neighbors, they all have the stomach flu, and I unfortunately have two friends who, who actually lost their moms this week, so, you know, it's, with the regular life going on that is already somewhat complicated and then adding all this in, you know, it can just be a time of real panic for people. There is definitely an anxiety that people are feeling. But I was thinking, I'd love to just talk about this for a second. You know, I this is going to be kind of a two-parter because I think there is some, there are some really fun and practical things we can do. Um, and But I'm going to save that for the next video. This one is more about um, just how to take this in spiritually. You know, I, it's taken me a minute to get my mind wrapped around this because, you know, I've been trying to make this video for <laughs> ever since Sunday, but it's just, there's so much change going on. It's, I just can't keep up with it. But I was thinking, what, there's so many good things that, um, God is doing through this time. I mean, first of all, he's just decided that the whole world is going to be unhurried. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to cancel everything. And that is a really, you know, strange feeling, but a good one and I'm wondering just how much after this time just how much of these changes we might be able to keep you know on Sunday it was funny because we we didn't have a regular service which you know is sad in some ways but in other ways it was really enjoyable you know I was thinking Jay's usually out the door by eight o'clock and at eight o'clock in the morning he's still asleep and I was thinking well this is definitely a different Sunday morning for us it was just the most relaxing um, wonderful Sunday morning and uh, get, we got we did get we did worship with a um, a small group of people, um, but it was just you know I was just thinking with God canceling all this stuff, you know it really is it, I think it might be interesting to see what we return to at the end of this. I also think it's just an incredible reminder that you know um, we're not promised tomorrow and I know that this sounds like a cliche thing but it's not us that puts the breath in our lungs and I think it's just a really great reminder um, you know I remember Gwen Shamlin saying uh, a while back a long time ago she's uh, I heard her say you know we we eat like there's no tomorrow but we repent as if we have a lifetime and that's always stuck with me to remember, you know what, I gotta repent 
as if there's no tomorrow. And it just reminded me of James, uh, James 4, which um, th this is kind of the thing that Jay and I have been saying to each other. Uh, you know, that thing of, well, if the Lord wills it, we're going to be doing this or that. But I thought I'd read this just to remind us in verse 13. It says, look here, who you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. And how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And I think what a great reminder that we have today to do what we ought to do. And some of us have things we need to resolve today. I mean, we just really do. And it's going to be complicated now if we have, comp if we have conversations we need to have. You know, can't get together with the people. And, uh, you know, it makes it more complicated, but I think it's a great reminder to settle the things that we need to settle today. This also talks about our business and the money. You know, we don't, we make so many plans with our money. And, you know, right now, that's uncertain. Finances are uncertain, but they've always been uncertain. The reality has always been that we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow and God's going to do what he's going to do. It's like that thing, like man, man makes plans in his heart, but the Lord determines the steps. So we can plan all we want for our finances and for our schedules and for all this. I have this big, big calendar for the year that I has, I was just getting ready to fill out for the next quarter. And I was like, well, I guess I'll probably just wait on filling out that calendar since I really have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. Um, you know, we ought to just say, well, if it's the Lord's will, we're going to do this, that, or the other. And this really does just give us a chance to see, you know, to expose in our own hearts just kind of what our mindset has been. And um, I think this, these times like this are really good for that. Um, you know, I was, but I had this funny thing happen with Brooklyn and I, or it was, you know, it just made me think. We were um, going out, I think it was last Friday. And uh, I had taken her out of school early. Um, I had taken her out of school even before the schools closed um, because of the coronavirus. And she knows we've been talking about it and she knew about it because they've been talking about it at school, you know, and it's all over the place. So, but when we got to the pharmacy, we were going to the pharmacy to pick up a prescription for me. She said, um, oh, are we going to get groceries too? And I was like, well, we have to pick up this, that, and the other. Yeah, we'll probably get a few things. Plus, the... Then I walked in the store. And of course, you know, I was so naive. I didn't really realize the panic that was going on. And there was this line that was just like 25 people for each thing going all the way back to the pharmacy. And I was like, uh, actually, we're not going to get groceries today. We're just going to get the prescription. We'll come back. And, and Brooklyn was just like, why? What, what's going on? What, why is everybody doing this? Why, why is everybody taking all the toilet paper? You know, I was like, I had told somebody, I'm going to make a video that's, that's called, you know, it's not about the toilet paper. But then I thought, well, that might be a little offensive. So I'm not going to call it that. But, um, you know, she was just, you know, because she could see the panic and um, sort of trying to talk about it. And she goes, why aren't you worried? And I was like, oh, why am I not worried? And I really had to stop and think about that. And, you know, I thought, I said, well, I said, honestly, Brooklyn, I said, one thing is that I, I have many fears, but for some reason, stuff like this 
doesn't give me anxiety. I don't, I don't have, I, I don't respond in fear to this particular thing. And I said, but the other thing is that I'm not afraid to die. That's really the truth. I know God and God is good. And you know, I just, I'm not afraid to die. I have this blessed assurance, you know, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Um, and that really is the, the rock, you know, that brings me so much peace, you know, even, you know, if it's to die is gain, I guess it is true what Paul said, you know, uh, what, which is it to, to live or to die, you know, if I, if I'm going to go on living, that'll mean fruitful labor for me. But if I'm to, to die and go to heaven, that will be gain. Um, you know, and so I'm sort of being able to talk to her and explain this, but she, you know, I just thought what a great opportunity this is for our kids because you know more is caught than taught we can talk all we want but really how we are going through this time is what they're seeing they're feeling it you know the based on how we're feeling it and um, we're not making light of it um, we are you know we're abiding by all the rules and you know we're completely isolating you know there's no going out doing anything much um, but and we are taking it seriously, but at the same time, we're not living in panic. And I think that is a great way. It's just a testimony to our kids and to the people that are around us. If we can talk to them, I haven't figured out that part yet about how I, you know, how, how all this is going to work. But, you know, in, in the meantime, I'm like, I have all this extra time with my family, all this extra time with my kids to be able to, you know, sort of model for them what it looks like to trust God. Another thing that's going on is many of you are dealing with actual really serious <laughs> repercussions and consequences of this coronavirus. I know in our particular ministry we have four couples that had that have weddings planned in the next month. And you know, that is a really very difficult thing to have been planning something probably since you were 10, some of these women I know, we all look forward to our weddings and just to realize, wow, this is definitely not gonna work out the way that I thought. And um, this is very different. And you know, I know other people who have, they've been preparing recitals, they've been preparing concerts, they've been pre preparing for openings or other huge events. Um, other people who are small business owners who are just getting off the ground, they were just getting there and now, um, you know, they probably won't make it through this time. So there's some real hardships for some people and some real surrender moments for people um, having to uh, work things out with God. And really, you just start to question. You just start having these really spiritual uncertainties, really. Um, it can get to this point where you start to think, am I losing my faith? I was telling Jay this morning that over the past year, there have been many times where I thought, am I losing my faith? You know, I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling. Um, you know, and it, it reminded me of all these years ago when I was having my young life crisis, I call it, when I was 30, and um, I didn't know what was happening to me. All I knew was that I was miserable. I was, my marriage was miserable. I was miserable. I was in hate with everything, and um, I didn't quite know what was happening, but I started thinking, am I getting a divorce? Is that what this feels like? You know, I know people get divorced. Am I getting a divorce? I didn't, turned out to be I wasn't, but I, you know, I really just needed to go into recovery, but I didn't know what was happening to me. And there have been times over this past year where I've just had such uncertainty that I thought, am I, am I going away? I know people do that. People leave. Am I, am I, is that what's happening to me? And which it, it's, it hasn't been, that's not what it was, but it's just, you don't know what you're feeling. There's just so much spiritual uncertainty. 
And I wanted to share some things that have helped me over the past year, even though at this moment I'm not facing one of those big things like, like some of you are. But I have, over the past year, had to really surrender some things to God, and I wanted to share some things that have helped me. And I was reminded of this lesson because um, one, of the, one of the sweetest sisters out in the desert, um, I got to go to the Desert Cities um, Women's Day a couple weeks ago, uh, Wendy Hammond, she turned me on this book called 40 Days of Decrease. And even though I already had my Lent book, you guys know, I was like, oh, I'm going to get this book. I just want to check it out because she was describing it and it sounded so intriguing because it's this really cool approach to Lent um, where you fast different things. Like you fast regret or you fast worry or you fast your anxiety or you fast praise of man or things like that. It's just a really cool concept. And um, I've, it's turned out to be an amazing book. It's turned out to be one of those where I wake up, read it, and go, I cannot believe that God just answered this question for me. It's just been a really amazing thing. But um, there's this lesson in there about John the Baptist. And of course, you know I love him. He's just one of my favorite characters in the, in the whole Bible. And I can't wait to meet him. I just think it'll be so cool. But, you know, during Advent, I talk about John the Baptist a lot. And I just really love the thought of this guy. And, um, you know, just thinking about John and about how here is just this spiritual giant. I mean, this guy who literally had the spirit of Elijah in him, um, as it says in Luke. And he's, you know, he, he lives in the wilderness. He eats locusts and wild honey. Um, and he's just always preaching full of fire. You know, he's, he's not afraid to talk to the Pharisees. He's calling them snakes. They come out and he's like, who told you to come out here? You know, I mean, just, you just picture this wild man. He's just like so incredibly spiritual and, you know, he's, and it's just amazing. You know, he's, he's preaching to all these guys. He's baptizing everybody. You need to repent. You know, the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is coming and you guys aren't even, you're, you're ready for Jesus. You're not ready for the truth, you know? And I just love the thought of that. And, and um, you know, the Bible says that he came to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to their fathers. And he's trying to bring people back to this love for God. And, you know, when Jesus finally does come, he just sees it and he goes, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, you know, and he's just amazed at Jesus. He's like, I'm not even, I can't baptize you. I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals, you know. So he's humble and righteous and holy. And then later on, as, you know, Jesus' ministry was going on and John's disciples come to him and they're like, wait a second, this guy, Jesus, he's baptizing. Now people are going to him instead of going to us. And, and he's like, no, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. I need to decrease so that he can increase. You know, I mean, just full of humility. And, you know, when he basically, when he saw Jesus, he, it was sort of like a proclamation of faith. Like, there's the Savior of the world. And, um, you know, all of that amazing stuff about John, right? But then later on we see him, you know, and he's put into prison. And, you know, I think that it's at that time as he's in prison that he just starts to, starts to doubt, starts to question. And over in Matthew 11, it says, um, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, 
Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? You know, if you think about that, you just think, you know, he was so sure. He was so sure earlier who Jesus was. But it's just so much easier to be sure about Jesus in the Jordan than it is to be in prison. And I ran across, across this quote um, that I thought just really summed it up. It says, For within prisons of pain or persecution, injustice or accusation, limitations or unmet longings, we too can wonder if Jesus is truly who we thought he was. You know, John was so, so sure Jesus is the Son of God. And, and I know that that's how we are. You know, we, when we first meet Jesus, we're like, oh my gosh, I just found all the answers to life. I just found, oh my gosh, Jesus really is the Son of God. I mean, we, we are the people in Acts 2 that are cut their heart like, oh my gosh, we did just crucify the, the Son of God. And you're just so sure of who Jesus is. You know, at your baptism. But it's when the, when the trials come. When the hardships come, it's just harder. Like, is this, when Jesus turns out to look different than you thought. And, and I think it's interesting to see Jesus' answer to this. He says, it says, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. In another translation, it says, um, all those who don't stumble over me. And you know, he's sort of basically just saying, you need to go remind John of everything that you see here. Because John knows that this is really basically Isaiah being fulfilled. You know, remember what you see. Look at what you see. The evidence is all around. And, and also, remember this. I don't, you know, Jesus is basically saying, don't get tripped up when I don't look like what you thought I was going to look like. And I was thinking about how I bet it did look really different than what um, even John was expecting, who's this incredibly spiritual guy. You know, it's, even his birth was miraculous. Um, but I bet it didn't even look like what he was looking looking for. I mean, you know, this guy was a bringing down the fire. I'm sure he was wondering, where's the fire? We're bringing down the fire. Come on, Jesus. Get these people to repent. <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure it did look different. You know, so many times Jesus turns out to be different than we thought. And he works out things differently than we thought. Um, but I love how she answers this. She says, a key invitation of our spiritual journey is to be emotionally honest about our uncertainties. Questions such as the ones asked by John are signs of a living, growing, active faith, not evidence of a dying one. You know, I think sometimes we can get, I know for me, I can get mad at, you know, uh, kind of mad at myself for having doubts or, you know, I sort of look at doubt as being the antonym of faith, you know, like it's the opposite of faith. And it's not. 
you know, I know many of you have been watching Baymon. One of the things that he talks about all the time is look for the problems in the passage. That has changed my world. That has just changed my spiritual life right there. Just for to look for the problems in the passage. Because when you see the problem, it's God pulling you into the story so that you can get something new out of it. You know, it's just such a cool thought to think about uh, the Jewish people when they see something they don't understand, something new in the scriptures, they dance around like, oh my gosh, God is getting ready to teach us something new. This is awesome. You know, we're so different from, from me who just go, oh, I don't get that part. Let's just skip over it. <laughs> but um, she quotes this right here. She says, Dr. Leonard Sweet um, teaches that in the Jewish culture, he says, it's an act of reverence to ask questions of the story. The Jews are confident that the story is strong enough to be tried and tested. Around the table, a Jewish child has, that's a good question, drummed into his or her soul. Not, don't ask that question. We don't ask questions like that. Questions are sacred as answers. They, and it's, you know, it's interesting because when we, when we realize, you know what, I'm just having spiritual uncertainty. I'm not falling away. I'm not, you know, um, I'm not in trouble. It's not, it's not bad to question. It's good to question what's going on because it's intellectually and spiritually and emotionally honest. It helps us to build our, our faith muscle. It says biblical faith is muscular, thickened more through trials than through ease. And so it's good. It's not supposed to be unquestioning. These are things that we get to wrestle through with God. And I think if we learn anything from Jacob, it's that the wrestling is a good thing. You know, um, Jacob wrestling with God that night. Uh, I think that, you know, we, we are not so much questioning God. And this is a great C.S. Lewis quote. It says, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do his best for us. We're wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that definitely says it best. Um, you know, I think it's important to give ourselves enough space, enough room spiritually to be able to have spiritual uncertainties at times. We are just going to have them. This is John the Baptist for crying out loud. Arguably the most spiritual, you know, the second most spiritual person to live in, you know, in Jesus' time at least. You know, and, and here he has this real this real moment of doubt while he's in jail. These times are going to come to us and God is still going to use us. When you think about Peter and how much he loved Jesus Christ. I mean, we know he loved Jesus. We know that Jesus was everything to him. If you think about what Jesus did for Peter, he pulled him out of a fisherman's lifestyle and gave him a life with the rabbi. I mean, that's an incredible thing right there. And just the love that he had for him. And yet still, when that when the time of testing came, it was difficult. It was it was hard. He doubted and he denied Jesus three times. He had his moment of doubt. We are all going to have them. Disciple, you just need to know you're gonna have your times of doubt. You're gonna have those times where you fall, where you falter. This may be one of those times for you. You may have a really hard time with this. You may be disappointed with yourself at just how much anxiety you feel during this time or just how hard it is for you to surrender. 
But I want you to remember that after Peter denied him three times, he came back and he preached the very first sermon about Jesus Christ in human history. And he ushers in the kingdom of God. He unlocks the kingdom of God with those keys that he was given. And, you know, ultimately ends up giving his life for Jesus Christ being crucified upside down. You know, it's not the end of the story. Our doubts are not where we end. Um, our, our questioning, our spiritual um, uncertainties, these times are going to come. We work through them with God and we get to the other side. So during this time, if you have a hard, these hard things that you're dealing with, I hope that this lesson helps you um, to not feel alone. I know when I think about John the Baptist now, I think, you know, I'm in good company because I was feeling like, man, I... I, I wish I didn't doubt so much. Why am I, you know, I wish I was stronger. I wish my faith was stronger. But, you know, I'm in good company. And you are in good company, too. So I hope this helps you as you try to work through this time. During this quarantine, I hope something from this can help you to remind you of the great spiritual things that we can get out of this time, whether they are um, conversations with our kids, whether that it's a look inside of our hearts and making sure that we're not boasting about tomorrow, or whether it's really, really um, struggling through and wrestling through some of the harder things that we have to wrestle through with God. And I hope this helps you. Until next time. Mm -hmm.